What's going on, fam? It's your boy Chong Ali. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Umami Nights. Uh, we got a bit of a special one for you here today. Um, I've got my friends Michael and Joanne on this episode, and they are from an organization called People Behind the Music. And they actually manage Chong Ali the rapper now. So um, I just wanted to get them in to have a chat to them and just explore their journey in the music industry and how um, Michael started People Behind the Music. And what started out as a pretty you know innocent interview quickly evolved into a um, you know into a podcast exploring the Vietnamese Australian identity and you know, the nuances in the Vietnamese community with the Vietnamese people from Australia and the Vietnamese people in Vietnam and all the little things in between there. So it actually got quite involved. So what I thought I'd do is I would, uh, I'm going to break it up into two parts. This first episode will be mostly about Michael and Joanne and people behind the music. So um, tune into this episode, get a little bit of context of who they are so that it, uh, so that when you're listening to that second episode, you sort of get a gist and a vibe of where we're all at. So this episode was recorded on Saturday, the 25th of November, and I hope you enjoy the show. Language and concept warning. Oh, this sounds dope. So professional. Mm. All right, are we rolling? Are you good on we are your rolling. side? We are rolling. <clears throat> Heard of people behind the music. This is people behind the mics. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to like Umami that. Nights. This show doesn't have an intro anymore because I am the most professional podcaster in the world. I have a couple of very special guests joining me here tonight, all the way from Melbourne. Make it loud for Michael Husky and Joanne from People Behind the Music. Hey, thank you. Um, I've been told that Joanne is a huge fan of this show, so. Absolutely. And by I've been told, I've completely made that up. (laughs) But welcome. Did you actually (laughs) chong? Maybe she whispered it. Maybe you heard that somewhere. <laughs> now, nah, firstly, we want to thank you, uh, you know, Min Chong Ali, for oh. welcoming people behind the music and uh, Vic Media to come down and um, really much chop it up with you. And it's uh, it's been a, I think I think we've been looking forward to this conversation for a while, man, since we first um, started interacting on the internet. Yeah, hundred percent. All the way back in February. Yes. Yeah. So back in February, uh, people behind the music started to, um, I guess start again yeah yeah um let's actually let's speaking of start again let's roll all the way back and let's go to the um origin story of people behind the music so for a little bit of context um chong ali now is being managed by um people behind the music and michael so um just a little bit about the organization how it started how it came about yeah yeah um well people behind the music's first ever project was back in may 2020 Mm. uh during uh, asian heritage month in the u.s now um in one of the first uh, projects, um, we were involved with the um, group uh, called Hub, um, which was a blockchain project that start, was started by Eric Lai, the co-founder of LinkedIn. Yeah, right. um, they were basically organizing an Asian Heritage Month conference uh, called Stronger Together uh, Virtual Summit, um, very much being uh, headlined by the co-founder of LinkedIn, uh, Eric Lai, and um, Patrick Lee from Rotten Tomatoes. Um, these guys wanted to organize basically an eight hour zoom conference during COVID-19. 
An eight-hour Zoom conference. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you go to these uh, ticketed conferences, people come in, shake hands, listen to exhibitions and panels. Mm. Um, what this was was basically a series of um, panels by different entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley across the US, um, Los Angeles. Um, this was plugged in through to the Asian Hustle Network, which is a massive Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I remember those COVID times and I remember when Zoom came about. Mm. I was like, oh, damn, there's this thing now. Is this the new reality of, like, communication? Yeah. I, like those Facebook groups were definitely, like, a moment of interaction. Everyone really got around it to be like, oh, my God, this is the next way to connect. Um, it's the next way to, you know, interact with each other via Facebook groups. And everyone started seeing this digital communities movement a lot mm. more and that being transferred over to, like, online Zoom conferences. Yeah. Um, and tying it back to the Stronger Together um, Asian Heritage Virtual Summit, led by uh, Lisa Ma, um, who was basically the pioneer behind it. Um, people behind the music was actually involved through curating um, performances for this this um, conference. Um, so that's when, you know, in this eight-hour, you know, Zoom call with like over 150, 200 um, attendees, um, there was basically these, uh, you know, panels and in between, like probably in the middle of it, um, was a series of music acts which were very much performed in front of a laptop at home, um, you know, curated on this uh, music performance um, series was uh, Mix Miyagi. Um, it would have been no, uh, sorry, uh, I remember it was, uh, Mix Miyagi, um, VH1 Melion, uh, Melion in Los Angeles, uh, Val Malicious, um, Alan Z, Jason Chu. Um, and yeah, those were the series of, um, I guess, Asian acts on this uh, Zoom conference. Um, and that was people behind the music's first kind of, you know, collective curated experience um, mm. through COVID-19 yep. in 2020. Yeah. So there was a lot of, um, I mean, I, there, I remember being a part of a few different um, live streaming things during COVID. Um, and because that was one of the things that popped up for me. It was like this live streaming, you know, eight hour Zoom and there was another one that I did. I actually took part in one of them. I can't remember what the organization was, but it was a stream. And I remember performing in front of a camera, just like we're doing now, mm. and just like trying to envisage an audience in front of me. And it was the weirdest thing because I was performing, but then I had to find this new way of performing. It was like a different style of performance. You go inwards as opposed to performing outwards in front of people. You know what I mean? The challenges during COVID-19 really made people try and find methods of connecting yeah. um, through, you know, whichever platforms on the internet. You know, it's the it's the most, I think in that period, a lot of people learned how to use the computer. A yeah. lot of people learned how to, you know, how do we send messages to each other, but then also change this in a way where you can definitely be more interactive and yeah. kind of really, you know, relying, like it's, 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 I think it would have been the first time where people had to, you know, connect with, connecting with people over the internet was an option. Now it was mandatory. You know what I'm saying? So from there... Um, it was just required that people kind of um, found ways to either perform, um, especially artists. They had to find a new way of kind of creating revenue streams, um, very much honing in on content creation and developing that online fan base. Um, but yeah, like what, kind of doing this, I started to find that I was developing my own micro community of music artists. And um, we were doing like week weekly Zoom calls where I was just organizing networking um, calls. People would be able to come in, introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Michael. This is what I do. This is what I can teach. And um, this is what I need help with. Um, and so that kind of started, you know, uh, people behind the music's weekly plug. 
And um, yeah, uh, that's kind of how things got spurred through this, um, you know, kind of exploration of different Asian talents and kind of really spiraled a few different um, projects where I was trying to understand like Asian Heritage Month being a thing in the US, why wasn't it a thing in Australia? Um, and from there, yeah, I kind of started paying attention a lot more to, you know, Vietnamese acts or, you know, um, Southeast Asian acts in different countries in, let it be the US or Australia. Yeah. What was the um, the catalyst for you to go, you know what, man, I, I, I think I want to be involved in the music industry. Uh, well, I think I'm a big fan of just, I guess, understanding, like I, I'm a big fan of storytelling. Um, I enjoy uh, every artist's, you know, the idea is you have to match beat to sound and make humans really want to, you know, interact and connect with a certain truth or even a fabrication. Um, so for me, I mean, why I wanted to be involved with music, uh, this actually came through in my previous tech startup, ValueX, um, and we, that was a project where we were developing a crowdfunding platform and um, that was a three-year project and for myself, I found, I found that I enjoyed working with creative talent more than I enjoyed working with technology, um, developing platforms around it um, because working with people was just more um, meaningful to me, um, hence people behind the music and not just you know, music artist, music song, song mm. thing, you know what I mean? So, And so, Joanne, you've seen the transition um, from tech guy to music guy. What's been the biggest change? What's been the biggest difference? Honestly, I wasn't really there for him when he was, like, in the tech area. Like, oh, okay. I met him when he started the whole people behind the music thing. And, like, I honestly never understood what people behind the music was until yep. – he drew boxes and circles towards like for me and yep. explained it to me. It was really funny at the time because like I did not know what it was about. Mm. And then um, Michael started drawing all these little things for me. It was really cute. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I understand the process of what people behind the music is actually. Well, yeah, I mean it was just an Instagram account at the time. Um, it was. You know, was. the people, the website was on but I never really talked about it. Um, you know, it was a project that I'd started back in 2020 which I put on hiatus until – I guess, February 2023, um, you know, I, uh, in that period, you know, uh, I had a, you know, a, a family passing and for myself, I was very much trying to really figure out, I guess, the direction I want to go, um, what work is meaningful to me and um, how, you know, if I'm doing it for myself or I'm doing it for my family and, um, you know, collectively over time, you start to reevaluate what's important to you. Um, so yeah, doing people behind the music and at the time, uh, you know, uh, as I'd gone in hiatus in t- end of 2020, I found a lot of artists kind of reached out. They saw what we were doing. It was really exciting, um, especially during the COVID-19 live streaming se- sec- um, time. Um, but yeah, um, it's actually funny. Like Joanne was actually scrolling on TikTok and then she came across um, the artist uh, Mix Miyagi. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah shout out to Mix Miyagi. <laughs> Hi, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His government name out there? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's that. You can uh, edit this part out. This is not uh, edited. I told you. We don't edit. <laughs> We're just rolling it. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Um, hey, do you remember that? Describe. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did actually. So it was so funny because like I actually didn't know Michael actually knew who Mix Miyagi was, um, and then I saw him on my um, Instagram feed, and I'm like, "Ooh, who's this guy?" And like, my, um, Michael actually turned around. Michael was like, oh, "I actually know him." I'm like, oh my God, really? Like I was a f- massive fan. Like when the actual, I think it was like um, Black Lives Matter 
that was his song. Mm. Like that mm. actually, you know, meant something to me, obviously, because, you know, it's really, it, it's inspiring to see that, you know, he's actually yeah. half Nigerian and half Viet and, you know, he actually stands up for, you know, Vietnamese. Something meaningful, yeah. Um, meaningful. The, the, the Black Lives Matter song was actually, um, Black Lives Matter was a thing that was happening at that time, but the song that you probably would have saw was Ngai Nga Kumvai, right? Um, which mm. mean, translated in English is like every day is the same, right? Um, just, f- uh, I guess, for audiences, mixed Miyagi, who... who uh, who he was, um, just just for context, um, like, I mean, how would you d- interpret what Mixed Miyagi is as an artist? Like, uh, when you first came about him, like, Mixed Miyagi as an artist, like, so obviously it's very sensational. He's like, um, he looks like an African American rapper, yeah, but he raps in Vietnamese, and that was like very sensational immediately. But then if you if you dig deeper, he's 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 a good rapper. Mm. And he then is. and then he raps in Vietnamese and then he raps in English and like dude he's got a deep like tool bag mm. he's been doing this it's not this is not a gimmick this is who he is and then yep. you keep digging and then he's telling his story I'm like oh there's like there's a whole thing here you know like he's just out here putting out really good work mm. so you know it would be so easy to dismiss him at the beginning oh, yeah. Um, yeah. as like this gimmick but then that would be you know that would be a terrible mistake because there's so much, he has so much to offer. Like he's this incredible artist yeah, with a great like story. Layers and layers. Absolutely. Of, you know, mm. yeah. But you can actually see it like coming out of his own like music. You know what I mean? There's like layers of him. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, I, like you said, I, I'd spoken to Mix Miyagi back in 2020 and we did this performance together. And it was so funny because he was actually going to flake on that performance. Uh, he was telling me like, man, I don't think I'm ready. You know what I mean? This is like a Silicon Valley community of, you know, software developers and people in the entrepreneurship space. He was going to flake on me. And I was like, <laughs> bro, look, you know what? If it's not you, it's going to be somebody else. And at that point, you know, I, I knew I gripped onto him. And realistically, it's one of those things where I was like, Bro, you know, you're an artist. Um, you know, the the lens that I was seeing it in was every artist can just come in and slot in and basically perform in that series that I had to curate. But it's one of those things where, you know, as I got to know Mix Miyagi, he was the trending thing on that Facebook group, Asian Hustle Network. Yeah. So people did post about it and I didn't really pay much attention because like you said, you know, from face value, definitely um, he's, you know, uh, from, from I guess the exterior lens, he's, a, he's an African-American Rapping in Vietnamese, which is very much the gimmick of, you know, like a, you know, foreign non-Vietnamese person speaking in Vietnamese to mm. get clout, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as our relationship developed from that um, Asian Heritage Month, uh, you know, webinar or Zoom conference, um, yeah, we stayed in touch. Uh, it was one of those things where, you know, Mix Miyagi um, is, is definitely, as, as I've started working with him, uh, he... he we started a, a management agreement back in uh, February because um, for him, I guess he'd been doing it since 2020 for three years. And I guess for him, he was kind of very much like, um, you know, wanting to find a, another person to kind of see this through with him. Mm. Um, and for myself, I think one of the biggest things, uh, I, don't, I don't really like being involved in projects or music for hype, but I, I think about it and, you know, Mix Miyagi has a meaningful um, mission. Uh, I think the stories that he tells... Um, the, the song that Joanne had saw was very much a, um, you know, this bridging of, um, you know, showcasing injustice uh, amongst, um, you know, uh, African-Americans as well as kind of like it being in Vietnamese. I saw this kind of story that he could tell mm. that 
was around um, just being less judgmental to black people or African-American people. And I, you know, when something to do, something like that, where you break down walls culturally, I was, uh, I was really attracted to, to, you know, supporting him. Um, I, I was, I, had, I didn't even intend to manage him. Mm. Um, but yeah, working together now, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm proud of my boy. You know what I mean? We're mm. just good friends and, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where because of Mixed Miyagi, he put me onto other Vietnamese artists. Like say, for example, Big Vu, um, you know, Chong Ali, when you came around. Um, and it's one of those things where, you know, we, we only have this relationship because one person introduced another person and said, hey, this person's also doing something cool. And then the radio, radar come, kind of came on, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how, you know, and that's when, when Joanne saw that in, I think that was probably in November, um, in 2020, was it 2022? 2022? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that's when I was like, all right, cool. Let's try and, uh, you know, put people behind the music back on. We started with, you know, just a bunch of reels featuring artists that we liked. Mm. Um, you know, mainly mixed Miyagi. And then over time, you know, we kind of, based on the artists that we were paying attention to and seeing what collaborations were happening, it just kind of naturally became, you know, um, this management thing with Mix Miyagi and, and other talents like Lee Chan, um, like now yourself, Chong, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things where it, I found it as a really good direction to really be in the conversation with cool people who are doing meaningful things. Um, but yeah, that's uh, kind of how people behind the management kind of spurred out of people behind the music. Yeah. And um, it's, it's such a niche sort of um, market that, you know, you're entering into, you know, like if even just speaking about these, you know, it's like the Vietnamese diaspora, right? Myself, Vietnamese Australian, born in Australia. And like my story, it's, 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 it's hard to um, sell that story to people who haven't lived it because there's no way to relate to it. They might like listen to it and go, oh, that's cool, but it's really hard to, to, for people to like latch onto it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. in this space that we travel in, it is kind of imperative that we get a lot more of, you know, similar stories, not exactly similar, but something like where we're overcoming something. There is something that we're, we're trying to overcome and together it feels like we can overcome it. Yeah. I mean, I think um, seeing kind of Mixed Miyagi's movement and now I guess a series of other Vietnamese artists in the US very much get activated um, because, you know, like you said, being Vietnamese, we ain't had no heroes. You know what I mean? We don't have, um, you know, being Vietnamese was never cool. Mm. You know what I mean? And only those, you know, born and raised in Australia or any other Western Western country from the migration, um, if you don't have heroes, you start to look to other cultures um, as other heroes like mm. yourself and say Muhammad Ali or any of those, um, you know, rappers that we look up to, you know, Eminem, you know, he was a superstar. You know, he told the story, one of the best storytellers ever um, to make one get really sucked in very much understand what his world was. Mm. Um, and now to see yourself, see Mix Miyagi, see um, you know, other Vietnamese talents just doing their thing and there's certain crossovers like C-Rock even. It's like here are all Vietnamese um, generations, you know, the, the next generation of Vietnamese people and they're all telling a story. Um, and if you're Vietnamese, you know that your parents won't tell you any stories from the past. So yeah. it's a fascinating thing to kind of see happen now. Yeah. And I think... That's um that's a good point actually because like our parents that their past is too traumatic. There's like there's not a lot of good stories to tell, so they don't they're, they're not going to go out and tell us about you know the things that we already know about 
you know, their generation and why they are here. Why are we in Australia? We all know that. You know what I mean? But that seems to be the only story that people want to talk about. It's like, but what about everything else? What about everything else that we do in our life? You know what I mean? That's and true. yeah. And Vietnamese parents, it's too traumatic. They don't want to talk about that, man. They don't want to f- flesh it out in details. Um, mm. Like as an example, I just wrapped up this gig um, for on VietCon, right? So I was a hip hop consultant on this theater yeah, play, yeah, yeah. Um, VietCon. It's really exciting. And the conversation was around, you know, how do we connect um, Queensland Theater or QPAC with um, our community, yeah. our Vietnamese community? And there was just so, so many cultural nuances that we had to address. It's like, well, why are we retelling their story that they lived back into a language that they don't understand? Yeah. So it's like, well, who's this for then? Is it for us? If it's for my generation, then I get it because it's written in a tone that I understand, right? So it's like, oh, okay, so we're telling the story to the next generation because our parents won't tell it mm. because that again, too traumatic. So it's like, oh, okay, it's for us. But then it's also the platform that they're telling it on. It's predominantly middle class or upper class white people because mm. they're the ones that go to the theater. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so it's for us, but then it's also for them. Mm. And then we go, okay, well, where do we connect with community then? Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it's, if you think about it, because our parents won't tell those stories and Vietnamese people, if you live in a Vietnamese household, you know that they're not really like, you know, flexing the concept of that. No, they'll flex that they went through hardship, but there's definitely no, do you know, back in my day, (laughs) right. um, All these people passed away on a ship and you know what I mean? Like we, we worked, we, you know, they'll tell you that stuff, but I don't think they really accentuate or go back to how hard it was for them. Mm. They don't, you know, they say it's hard, but they don't really describe really kind of the emotions they go through. If it's almost like they numb it with a wall absolutely, and they very much paint the picture that, look, we just did what we did to get you here. When realistically, when they were there, they're probably like, I just need to fucking survive. Get the fuck mm. out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I need to go into another country where I can survive. Um, and, and going back to, you know, that Viet Gone project, you know, the, the, the Vietnamese history in any country, it's always kind of oversold the concept of hardship, death. You know what I mean? It's not even Vietnamese people telling it. It's, it's you know, what, what um, storyline or content or concept is told to those who are going to the theatre. And as an education piece or an entertainment piece, um, you know, Vietnamese creators like yourself, um, like myself, like everybody else, like we have, we're in a position where we can create the narrative. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, if we keep talking about that pain, that hardship, you know what I mean? I get it. Australia's about Remembrance Day, you know, Anzac Day, but there's a generation that's coming and, you know, they're finding their own space. They're finding their own talents. And, um, you know, like yourself, we have an opportunity to tell that story and redefine what being Vietnamese is for the coming years. Because mm. um, Vietnamese never was never cool. So we're in that, we're in responsibility. Yeah. I think the it's important. <laughs> the the way <waves>, Yeah. <laughs> Get your life jackets out. That's right. <laughs> I think like, because I know the reason why I, um, you know, entered the, um, the hip hop scene was to tell, tell stories. Same thing, storytelling. And I think, you know, with, with the white Australia law, um, Pauline Hanson, like all this, like they had a monopoly on the media. Yeah. Right. So they were able to tell whatever story they wanted and we didn't have any rebuttal. We didn't have a voice, right? Mm. So that was the fire to go, okay, 
how can I tell our story in a way that, you know, that I can get on platforms to like pass this message on. And that's why it's so important for people like uh, Mix Miyagi, um, C-Rock, and like whatever shape or form that story is, tell it your way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we don't all, you know, fall into the same box. We need a variety of different stories to represent because then that's a true representation. We don't just have one spokesperson. We need everybody to speak up and that's that way we can you know, truly represent what it means because everybody's different. Everybody's had their own experience and then that way it'll be more of a true, you know. Yeah, and, and with that being said, you know, like the Vietnamese community, like that's a very big, big, um, big word because, you know, Vietnamese came from Vietnam but there are variants of the diaspora, right? Let's let's let's, let's just um, address it. Like you know, even for yourself, um, you know, you performed yesterday with Andre Reihand, mm. um, you know, uh, a Vietnamese rap judge, right? He was a like I, like I've I've read a bit about that. He's an underground rapper, did his thing in Canada for a bit, went back to Vietnam, did the whole hip hop scene, and uh, ultimately, like now he's a rap Viet judge, which is a variety show kind of very much like the voice, but for Vietnamese um, rappers. Mm. And, um, you know, for you, for you to perform next to Andre Rahan to, you know, to the Vietnamese audience that are from Vietnam, that's massive, bro. Mm. That's, that's, that's like a, you just basically um, opened up for like the biggest, um, you know, one of the biggest rappers in Vietnam. Yeah. I was aware of Andre Right Hand through the Miami Nights back when it was a radio show on 4 Triple Z, And yeah. I would go out and actively look for, um, you know, like rappers from Asia. And so he came across, you know, my radar. I was like, yo, this guy's dope, you know? And then, yeah, cut to now he's here. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. You mm. know, I remember going, yeah, he's dope, you know? Yeah, uh, well, let's just put it like this, The Voice, yeah? Um, yeah? Who was one of the judges on The Voice? Well, Jason Derulo. Um, oh, he's the Vietnamese Jason Derulo? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, Mariah Carey. That's why I'm saying his name. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, it's it's interesting. Like, um, you know, the equivalent in Australia is definitely a different equivalent to Vietnam. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, you know, to 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 be performing open up for a you know rap judge. That's that's one thing dope. But it's interesting because Australia is a country yet still to be informed by what's very popular in Vietnam. Mm. Um, yeah. Albeit, uh, you know, like a Australia being made up of children of migrants. You know what I mean? Um, you know, you're you're a you're a you're a version of you know being a part of the Vietnamese diaspora, the Vietnamese community that comes from Vietnam, who sees Andre Rahan as this really super dope rapper that's you know in that's a celebrity over there. It's a completely different market to who you are, and I think that's where you stand in a very good like a an interesting position to really tell this the story of Vietnamese born here, mm. not really infatuated with Vietnamese or the homeland, but realistically what life is defined by what life is to be lived here as a Vietnamese person. What, what does being Vietnamese mean to you anymore? Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's such a good point because like, if we go back to when you were talking about um, heroes and because we were born here and we were fed Western media, we didn't see ourselves represented on the screens. So we looked to other cultures for heroes. So if you're in Vietnam. Different heroes. You're fed, yeah. You're fed Vietnamese heroes. So obviously when Andre right hand comes along, the kids go, yeah, I want to be like that guy. We didn't have that. Mm. We had Michael Jordan. We had Mike Tyson. We had Muhammad Ali. Like this is my generation. Yeah. Right. And then progressively, you know, like you get all these heroes from different cultures. Yeah. And then that's why when Andre right hand comes through, I'm like, I remember you. 
I know you're a dope rapper, but mm. I don't get, I don't, I'm not a fan in that way as in like, I'm not infatuated yeah, by yeah. him. I, I respect him for his craft and his art because I came through him through research. Mm, mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And whereas, yeah. you know, we, you could see clearly he had some hella fans. Like they were, they yeah, loved yeah. him. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, um you know, it's funny because I, I can only appreciate Andre Ryhand or him as an artist because I, you know, that, that barrier between me and my cousins isn't there. Like I speak Vietnamese with my cousins, um, me and Joanna very much, very um, fresh off the boat, um, you know, welcomers. We're very inclusive. We, you know, we, we didn't see them as a, there was no line between us and a Vietnamese that just came over because we go out and party with them, talk to them. I was very close friends with my um, uh, cousins that are of the same age in Vietnam. So that's how I came around kind of like the, the what's popular, what's pop music or what's hip hop happening in Vietnam. So our minds are more open and more receptive to that. Whereas, you know, like babe, if you, if you didn't, didn't, didn't hang out with, um, you know, the, I guess the Vietnamese from Vietnam that came over, you could care less about the, you know, Vietnamese pop music really. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really care. No. Yeah. Because you would be actively looking, yeah, to to find you know like connect with um, Vietnamese culture and yeah, exactly, I mean, through yeah. cousins cousins will put on YouTube videos like mm. you know you, you, what's there to talk about? I mean, I got my career, your, your career, you're studying, but realistically, that sharing this you know cool thing that's happening in Vietnam, mm. I just kind of was well, open minded to it, and that's why I could actually understand like you know certain to MTP or mm. um, you know then like Andre Rahans now, but before that like Garik. Um, you know, these were songs that we listened to, and all the only, time, yeah. And only, and only the fobs, like the the, the versions of us that are born here, like we're, we feel like you know, in a fobs area, yeah. mm. uh, we could really enjoy this. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a that, that's what I'm saying. Like, to, you can only understand this if you open your mind up to that way. And but Vietnamese is born in Australia. There is no incentive. We talked about no. this. There's no incentive, yeah. um, or there is no reason for us to learn Vietnamese to survive in the country that we live in. Mm. So it's a yeah, it's that it's, it's interesting, I guess divide like when you know until you need to learn your mother's tongue to understand anything for your job, yeah. you're not gonna, you don't need to do it. You, you know that's that, that's why there's a there's this divide in Vietnamese communities. It's hard for any government or any culture, you know, to really go. Yeah, we're gonna crack the Vietnamese community. <laughs> like, like yeah, which which Vietnamese community? <laughs> it's hard yeah. to from the outside. It's really hard, even like. I'm thinking about it now and we're like, we are diving deep into it. Right. And it's like, it's almost like you need to write a textbook or do an audiobook about like the different nuances of like the insider's view um, of the Vietnamese communities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the politics, you know, between the communities and how they view each other. And, you know, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's all these nuances that we just, we just, because we live it and we know where we stand, me as a Vietnamese Australian, I understand like my status and my role mm. when I'm around, you know, Vietnamese, Vietnamese as in Vietnam, Vietnamese, mm. the, the ones from the North would be the different from the South. Like there's all these different. Yeah. You know, but, but it's interesting, right? Like if we all live on the, like if we all scroll through internet or Instagram, like for example, VQ media or photo culture, um, these guys are really good cure, like um, content curators of like featuring interesting um like crossover content um like for, say for example like subdoc as well mm. um these guys you know will post content that it's like say family guy but you know through <laughs> funny Vietnamese nuances like subs. yeah <laughs> Vietnamese they're, subs. They're, 
yeah, so yeah. good. Yeah, these the subtitles and and it's tapping into this like subculture of the Vietnamese that love going to hard style raves. Yeah. The Vietnamese that are just like local yokels trying to be like, hey, what's up, doc? You know what yep. I mean? Like the, the Vietnamese accent, that yep. being utilized, um, like even creators like Howie Farmer, yep. you know what I mean? And Australia loves that. Um, but, you know, that content being a lot of it coming from the US, of, of like Vietnamese US creators, it's fascinating. Like me and Joanne were just laughing at, you know, like a, what's it called? Like a, what do you call those? It's, um, it's like a, when they dub, when they dub like, um, you know, very popular cartoons, but they do it something that's relevant. Like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, like uh, that, that's relatable to Vietnamese of that subculture. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So it's like they create these memes that only the insiders understand. And it's yeah, just exactly, like, it's yeah. such a sharp nod to, it's like a nod and a wink mm. to yeah. a very specific niche of people, even within the Vietnamese community. You know what I mean? So, and that, I think that's what's so powerful. Like, um, you know, you've got your hobby farmers where, you know, he does this, this satire, yeah, you know, and it's over the top and all this, and then like it's sensational. People, it's, it's hilarious, right? Yeah. Uh, but then you've also got the really sort of, you know, it's crafty and it flies under the radar. And if you're not if you're not in the know, those memes is like you you just won't get you it. Won't you won't get like, it. Yeah, yeah, of course yeah. you won't get it. And it's like it's mm. so specific and you're speaking so directly to each other. It's almost coded. Yeah. You know I, what I mean, I mean, like Hobby Farm is a good example, and and you put that next to Viet Gone, right? They're both forms of entertainment. Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't know. I haven't watched Viet Gone, but oh, there, there are stories. <laughs> when she, you went to the hip hop consultant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's me. That was yeah, me. I'm yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. I'm him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm only, I've only been in Queensland for one day. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, what a day! <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's funny because Viet Gone tells those stories like not in a comedic sense, like Howie Farmer, like this whole you know V unit and this whole like you know, Vietnamese accent that, you know, the Australians that we just, that, that Australians love so much. We organized V unit, um, the Sunday before this Sunday and like that's coming. Um, and literally 81 people showed up man. um, and they love this Vietnamese comedic character that, you know, is, you know, comedically crafted by, you know, Andy, uh, Andy Ho. And he's, he's like utilizing like the Vietnamese funny accent to veer into this, you know, hip hop, meme of a 50 dong or 50 cent right <laughs> and veering it into like this you know be, being a holy farmer you know the, the, being that funny version of that um refugee farmer yeah you know what i mean yeah. and it's it's hilarious and, and like you said these communities enjoy it whether it be in the form of a comedic short clip like holy farmer does or Viet gone yeah long so, form theater yeah um all right speaking of long form i've got a Pause this to make sure it saves. I've got to go get ourselves another drink mm. uh, and then we will make sure we come back nice and hydrated for the rest of this podcast. So Same. give me two minutes and then we will be back. Thanks for tuning into that first part of the interview. I'll be dropping part two very soon. So hopefully that's going to give you a bit of uh, insight and a little bit of context to prepare you for what is about to happen next. So uh, yeah, hold on to your seats because it's going to be a bit of a ride, yo. Peace.